Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, in this episode of the Riverdale After Show, we're breaking down Season 4, Episode 4, Chapter 61, Halloween. Things go bump in the night for everybody in Riverdale. We've got a dead body showing up, we've got a creepy puppet, oh man, and we've got somebody spending their night in a coffin. Oh, let's get spooky. I'm Maria and you're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Oh, 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 it's the Riverdale After Show on this Halloween Eve. Breaking it down like we do. Come and join me, won't you please? Hey, everybody, welcome to Riverdale After Show. Where we break down all the craziness that's happening on Riverdale, airing every Wednesday night on the CW. I'm your host, Frank Moran. Usually I'd have a so, uh, somebody else with me here on the panel. Oh, please. Please. Oh, you're too kind. You're too kind. Oh, what am I going to do with all those applause? Uh, usually I'm joined with somebody, but tonight, we're just going to be you and I, folks. You lovely viewers and listeners, and then just me on the other end of this mic, just chatting about Riverdale. So, as always, folks. Like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. While you're there, give it a thumbs up. Boom. And you know what, folks? If you'd like, hop in the chat. It is up and running. Share your thoughts in there about this episode, any of the, the creepiness that you really enjoyed. And if you're watching after we stream live, feel free to comment down below. And I am checking out the chat as well, Frank. Oh, look at this. We got Ryan in the booth making things happen. This isn't the voice of God. This is indeed Ryan Nilsson in the booth. <laughs> Psyched to talk Riverdale. Let's have a magical evening. That's true. That's true. Uh, you know, Ryan just showed me his new Riverdale tattoo that he got in, in preparation for the show this evening. It looks great. Yeah, it's a little infected, though, so sorry well, I showed you that. Yeah, I know, but yeah, I mean, you sh- I, really, you know, just go to, you know, just go to urgent care. It's cool. Just do it. It's fine. Still paying the last bill. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Just use Bactine. I think Bactine. Th- th- Bactine. That's sure. right. Sure. Yeah. There you go. I'm a doctor. <laughs> uh, hey, so, folks, we'll be breaking down this episode, uh, and then we'll do a little, uh, some, some predictions uh, at the end of the episode, kind of set us off on that Halloween Eve uh, with things to mull about. But uh, this episode is, uh, you know, every, if you look back at all uh, Riverdale, some a, a lot of the episodes always kind of pay homage in some fashion to other pieces of media, whether it's books, movies, television shows, different genres. This one took a lot of the different sort of Halloween stories that you've always watched or grown up on uh, and kind of combined them all into one episode, little slivers and nuggets. Uh, Starting off, which I thought was really cool, is just like the uh, day before Halloween in Riverdale, where it's got that nice Halloween font on there from the Michael Myers Halloween film, kind of really setting it up. And uh, that's just the beginning of where we go into. So a wide variety of storylines that we've got to cover here. Uh, And what was nice about this is that every character gets spun off into their own separate storyline. And it's basically we're bouncing back and forth between all these vignettes as they take us through the course of the episode. So it was nice to see a lot of characters that uh, got to carry their own storylines as opposed to just paying uh, lip service to somebody else's storyline. Usually, as we talk about it, it's always propping up the main four. Uh, This time... 
everybody get a chance to have their own storylines running throughout the course of the episode. So I thought that was a really nice, uh, nice approach for the episode. But uh, we'll start off, you know, I guess we're going to start off with our core four here. But uh, it's not just the core four, but it's actually all of Riverdale. Because at the end of last episode, Jughead gets that videotape that shows up on the doorstep. And they watch it, and they bring in FP, and they bring in Alice. And it turns out that videotape is just six hours of the front of their house. That's it, just six hours. And it turns out that it's not just Jughead and Betty getting this. Uh, Everybody in Riverdale seems to be getting these tapes. We get to see Archie, Veronica, Pops gets one as well. And it is just long stretches of video just of the exteriors of their homes, establishments. And that's it. And there's nothing written on the tapes. There's no note. There's no message. So people are starting to get understandably creeped out. Uh, I'd imagine, Ryan, would you you be creeped out? (coughs) I would be creeped out by that. In fact... I'm a little creeped out myself in the studio right now because I was choking on some water. Oh, no, but, Jonathan, uh, rescue him. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan was giving me the Heimlich back here, and uh, now we're all set. So that would that would creep me out, though. That, that's, that's a great question. Uh, well, I'm just going to the chat real quick. Frank, everyone's psyched to see you here. They're calling you a legend. We got Jazzy Jones in the chat. Legend. External shock wave. Holy cow. Billy Jean legend. girl. Yeah, a legend. You're and uh, obsessed fangirl 1D13. Yeah, just guys, please keep sharing your thoughts in the chat, and uh, we'll shout you out throughout the show. Yeah, it's uh, the, the one thing I like though is that whoever decided because as uh, Alice watches it, like, does anything happen to this? And Betty and Jughead say, no, it's six hours, and nothing happens. It's just the exterior. Uh, what a bummer to have to go watch six hours of that during their first initial pass. You're like, oh man, all right, keep keep paying attention, see if anything happens, but. Uh, that's going to seems like it's just the introduction of some mystery that's going to start weaving its way throughout the course of the season. So we were kind of wondering, uh, we'd see some threads kind of start kind of dingling around, whether it's going to be Jughead at Stonewall Prep, whether it's going to be anything that's happening with Archie and Dodger. And now we've got something that seems to have just a wider ramification for all of Riverdale. So it could be interesting to see how that one plays out. Uh, what is interesting to note, though, is that as I mentioned, it's Betty and uh, Jughead watching the video with FP and Alice. It seems that Alice and Betty are now living in the same house with F, uh, with FP and Jellybean. Jughead, of course, being over at Stonewall Prep. So it feels like Betty, neither Betty nor Jellybean are really jazzed about the situation. But, of course, FP and Alice seem to be really digging it because it's uh, you know a chance for them to, re, to, to finally kind of get into a relationship that they've kind of danced around for the longest time, and now there doesn't seem to be any obstacles in their way to be able to get together. So, uh, yeah, good for them. It, it's still odd to me, though, because but <laughs> we have Charles, who they name-check in this. It's like Halloween, invite your brother Charles over, who happens to be Betty's half-brother, Jughead's half-brother. Uh, Betty and Jughead in a relationship with that half-brother in between them. It seems kind of odd, but, you know, it... Uh, all right. I, I feel like there's not really nobody really addresses it. So we're just gonna just keep rolling with it. If everybody else is thinking it's cool, all right. I guess I'll think it's cool as well. Uh, I am looking forward though to some scenes with Charles, with FP and Alice. Uh, we feel like Alice and, and Charles must have had some scenes, but this all happened off screen in season three. They kind of set up Alice kind of infiltrating Edgar's farm. Uh, so we never got to really see any of that kind of relationship. We've only hear about it in, in, uh, in retrospect. So I'd, I'd like to see some, uh, some scenes between the two of them, and especially FP and Charles as well, too. That's, uh, you know, I mean, it's a son that's in the FBI. Not too bad, uh, FP. you got somebody uh, yeah, that's really excelled. So uh, I'd like to see what their kind of dynamic is. 
But uh, so we have that going on. And uh, then, of course, we also have Archie trying to figure out what he's going to do with the, uh, the the boxing club. Because Halloween is coming. There's uh, the threats, as Mad Dog tells him, about Dodger coming wa- coming around wanting to lay a beat on on lots of kids on Halloween night. Uh, or because of what happened to him last week when Archie went and kind of uh, rolled him over, took some money from him. Uh, Dodger's in a bad mood and looking to do a little little payback. So... They come up with the idea, like, hey, why don't we just have a, a late-night party at the community center so we can keep them there, keep them off the streets. They don't have to worry about Dodger. Seems like a good idea. Totally. Uh, <laughs> and I what I, I like those, they say, like, hey, we should dress in costume because it's Halloween. And, you know, I would think like, Riverdale, it's got to have a Halloween town. It's got to have a, a Target, a Walmart. It's got to have some stores, even just like a local local store, little local general store that have Halloween costumes. Yeah, fine, like, fine, we'll just go get a couple Halloween costumes. No, no, no. Not good enough for Veronica. If Veronica is going to do it and going to be involved in this or she's going to have her man sitting up an all-night, uh, like a late-night Halloween party for the kids, she really wants him to look good. So this is where we get our first name check of Katie Keene there in the Riverdale universe is that, oh, hey, I'll reach out to my old friend Katie Keene. She's in high school. Uh, which we all know when the Katie Keene show debuts, it's going to be five years in the future. So right now she's just still in high school. So, uh, but it, it, she makes fantastic costumes. So I'll have her make you some for you. <laughs> so I don't know why that needed to happen. It seemed really elaborate and unnecessary to have this woman that's in New York make these costumes for you, send them to you. That's going to get here super fast because I think it's literally the day before Halloween. So she's going to have to whip these all together. And then FedEx them, and then they hopefully will get there right in time for Halloween. Rather than, hey, aren't you just, you know, just go buy a costume. It's all right. But the costumes do come in. And if you're uh, an old-school Archie comics fan, then you really like these costumes. Because we've got uh, Archie dressed up as Pure Heart the Powerful, which he's been, which he's worn in superhero stories in the Archie comics. And then we have Mad Dog dressed up as the S.H.I.E.L.D., which is a uh, long-running Red Circle comic book from the Archie series of comics. So that was really cool to see the two of them in there. And man, that looked good as the shield. That looked really cool. So uh, it'd be cool to see these costumes turn up again. I mean, only because I'm a, a big comic book nerd. So it's like, oh, yeah, let's just have <laughs> these guys just wear costumes. I don't need to have any justification. Just have them wear the costumes, and I'll be cool with it. I mean, it's 2019. Shouldn't we be able to wear capes, capes out in public more often, not just on Halloween? I mean, look at that screen. Look at that. Look at that. I mean, look at him. All right, Ryan, real quick, <laughs> if you had to choose between the two of them, which one are you wearing? Which one am I wearing? Yes. Uh, I'm probably wearing, if you can see the mouse right here, I'm going to dress up as a pumpkin right down here. <laughs> just fake everyone out. Nicely Get done. Get all orange, lathered up in orange paint, Frank. Poof, man, I like your commitment. You know, I'm going to have to go with uh, Pure Heart the Powerful because he's wearing a cape. Capes are awesome. I want to be able to wear a cape every single day if possible. Uh, Me too. Hey, we we should. Yeah. I mean, who says tell us that it can only be on Halloween or only if you're in a theatrical production? Right. Yeah. Come on. Let's just wear it every day. I think, Ryan, it's up to us to bring the cape back as a modern fashion uh, choice. I mean, I'm more of a cloak guy myself mm. but okay. i mean capes we did learn in the incredibles that uh they they are they do cause death sometimes if you're around propellers or water <laughs> or anything of that nature but uh i i, I mean i'm pro capes yeah and i, I, think, I, I think we should be able to wear them <laughs> if you want to wear them i feel like my life i feel like you know i don't really spend many time, much time around propellers so i feel like i'm like i'm pretty good 
I'm pretty good. I think I, I think I can wear I'm this. I'm just afraid I'm going to get in my car and close the door on my cape, and it's going to be like whistling <laughs> in the wind as I drive the 15 miles per hour in this crazy traffic we've been having lately. That's true. And then you come off and you get like little, just like little section of it, just all dirty from being drug outside. Yeah, I understand. They got to clean your. It's cape. got all the LA on it. I just uh, got to get all the LA off my cape. Blech, blech. That's another thing I got to wash. <laughs> I mean, it's just a hassle when you really think about. It. But for Halloween, yes, yes, worth it. Absolutely. And you know what else is worth it, though? I'm going to tell him, Ryan. I'm What's that? Him. What's that, Frank? Uh, what is worth it is that we uh, the chance to, to do this show every single week, and not just for me to be able to do this, but for all of you folks to take time out of your busy schedules. So many things going on with your lives, but you decide to take time out to join us to watch all the to break down all these great episodes of all your favorite TV shows. So, folks, thanks so much for taking the time out of that. We really appreciate it. And it's not just here on Riverdale, but all the shows that we do on all our different platforms. So, thank you for taking the time. But we always could use a little bit of extra help. So, if you have a chance, you know, like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, give us five stars on iTunes. Leave a comment. No matter where you're leaving a comment, though, just we're happy that you're getting involved in the conversation. So, thank you for watching and listening and uh, helping us become the ESPN TV Talk star going right over there right now burst that's how it went uh so you know uh you know what actually kind of burst is i i feel like the, the what is also burst is the sort of like the bu- the, the 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 comfortable comfortable bubble between tony and cheryl they uh the honeymoon phase so to speak because we've got cheryl who's got her <laughs> she's got her dead brother jason still just hanging out in the house and finally tony is seen this because Cheryl's had it for a couple episodes where you know she's been really adamant that nobody see that Jason's body is still uh, in the basement of Thistle House, but Tony has now come across it as well. So, so Cheryl's feeling comfortable just to have uh, dead body Jason just hanging out at the breakfast table, and understandably so. I, Tony's like, "This is your dead brother. He should be in the ground," and I cannot, I cannot think of any sort of argument that would be like. You know, Tony, you're wrong. Uh, there's really there's no counterpoint to that one to go like, yeah, you're right, yeah, right, yeah. I, that body should be out of, uh, and just sitting here at a breakfast table in a wheelchair with its mouth agape. Uh, agape. Uh, Brian, I'm going to come to you for this. What's up, Frank? Can you give me, just please, search your heart. Okay. Can you give me any rational reason that, if, uh, that you could say, like, yes, it is a good idea to have your dead twin's body just hanging out in a wheelchair in the breakfast table. In the, at the, oh, at the breakfast table. At the table. breakfast table. Can you, can you think of uh, Yes to everything but at the breakfast table. Oh. I think <laughs> okay. if it was the dinner table, because, look, you're just not ready for that in the morning. Yeah. I think uh, you're, coming, you're, you're waking up. You just want to get something to eat. The last thing you want to see is your dead twin carcass on a, in a wheelchair at the breakfast table. I mean, if you were in a relationship with somebody that had that kind of close connection with the sibling that had passed away and that had taken their body... And rather than putting it back in the ground, had just uh, taking its kind of not even quite mum, sort of semi mummified remains and just propped them up somewhere in their living establishment that they share with you. You'd be cool with it. I'm, you know, it happened in this studio yesterday to me actually because I'm walking in and we have a uh, a prop scarecrow uh, right at the entrance and it caught me off guard. And let's just say. I didn't have an appetite for the rest of the day, in fact, <laughs> and uh, I caught my, my stomach rumbling and realizing, wow, I haven't eaten in several hours because I just got so scared by that similar, uh, 
body in front of the building. Now, this wasn't a real body, like I assume you're referring to, yes. but even a fake one had that impact on me. So I can't imagine what a real body would have. It 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 is just tough just to know, like how do you how do you still love somebody I mean, knowing that they're kind of cuckoo for having their dead sibling just hanging out. Uh, in a wheelchair in their house. I mean, if it's real love, you'll you'll get through anything, right? You know, it's one thing like, hey, I never close any of the cupboard doors. Uh, I leave the toilet seat up. Uh, I never put the dishes in the dishwasher. Things that might irritate you, but you can look past because you love that person. Yes. Now, we all do have our limits, though. <laughs> and I do think <laughs> yes. that could be a limit. I think, uh, you know, I, I think back to Pet Cemetery when, uh, you know, you're looking at your loved one who's passed away <laughs> yes. and it's just like how far are you willing to go there you're having to go to an ancient indian burial ground and put him in only uh, so much we can handle so tony uh, surprisingly enough tony is able to easily convince cheryl that you know what we should uh bury him again so they do but immediately this doll starts popping up that uh, it's kind of like almost like kind of a smaller porcelain version of a young uh young baby jason and starts popping up in different parts of the house. And we see uh, Tony and Cheryl about to you know, get a little busy there on Halloween and hearing the baby cry over the monitor. And it's not not really any of the two twins that they're watching, uh, Dagwood or Juniper, because they're fast asleep. And Nana Blossom says, you know what? It's probably the spirit of Julian. And we saw last week's episode, Nana allude to triplets. And we all thought, like, and I'm sure all of us thought, like, oh, there must be a third blossom sibling and we find out from nana that there is a third blossom sibling but it never this sibling never made it uh to its delivery date to its due date uh because when the time came to deliver those triplets it appeared that when cheryl came out of the womb she had absorbed the 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 triplet julian and which devastated her mom penelope so much so that Penelope went and bought this small porcelain doll and used that as a surrogate of the third triplet Julian there to to raise alongside uh, Jason and Cheryl. And then once they got too old, then the doll got retired to the attic. So, uh, man. Did you ever have a porcelain doll growing up, Frank? You know, I, I never did. I never had one of those creepy dolls. I, I never had one of those experiences where I had a doll in my room that creeped me out. I, I, I don't know if my childhood uh, was disappointing because of that. I did. I had a, uh, this wasn't a porcelain doll, but I did have a stuffed animal bison that my mom gave me that she, she inherited from her grandparents. And I loved it during the day, but at night, just something about how the moonlight hit that thing's <laughs> eyes. It just kind of creeped me out. I couldn't really stare at it too often. Would you, uh, would you cover it before you go to bed so you don't have to worry about that? I'd lock it away in a closet. <laughs> uh, and now you bring it out, and when you have loved ones come over, they're like, Jason, why... Ryan, why is this uh, this Jason? Jason, sorry, Ryan, why is this buffalo just hanging out here at the breakfast table? Right, well, I'm a grown man now, so I'm not too afraid of it. However, I still think about it sometimes. There you go. And I assume you're going to be passing it down to your child someday. We'll see. All right. If you want to give it up, you you become too attached. Can you really pass it down? This is mine now. It ends with me. Uh, so, uh, so Cheryl basically proceeds to, uh, to go through the majority of the episode gaslighting Tony into thinking that, oh yeah, the, this, uh, Julian is a factor. They do a Ouija board, they do a seance and I've never done the Ouija board. You know, I've never been in a situation where somebody said like, Hey, let's do a Ouija board. I'm so I've missed out on that. So I cannot say for conclusively if 
it is real or it's not. I would think in my in my heart, I would love for it to be real, but in my head, I know it's uh, it's just somebody at the table is moving it and telling us what they wanted to say. So I feel like I've missed out on a, on a on a on a cool moment in life to find out if a Ouija board could really help contact somebody from the beyond. Ryan, I assume you love Ouija boards. Oh, I know that you assumed right, Frank. I I'm a big Ouija board guy, uh, especially for Halloween. Ouija boards every night. It's basically you know usually it's it's 11 months out of the year. I'm playing Settlers of Catan mm-hmm. on the table, but yep. when October rolls around. It's a Ouija board, and I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, Frank. Yes. In college, not going to tell you when, but in college, I uh, we had a Ouija board out, and we were we were predicting whether our team would win the game next the next day. And let's just say the spirits were not on our side, and we had a horrible season. Quarterback broke his leg. Wow. Now, did anybody fess up later saying, oh, I, I really moved it? Uh, someone admitted that they had tampered and moved it, but it just wasn't lining up. I think they were, they were kind of telling themselves that because um, they, they just didn't want to admit or believe that there might've been a spirit. It's like, no, no, I was doing it, guys. There's no way. Yeah. So I, I've missed out on this. So I, we find out that this is all just gaslighting by Cheryl. So to the point where Tony says, all right, if we dig Jason back up and we put him in here, will all this craziness that's going on around us stop? And Cheryl says, yeah, it absolutely will. So we get to end with Cheryl just brushing her dead brother's hair. And you can just, uh, it's just so, the other the sound of just brushing a dead person's hair doesn't sound great. Uh, but Julian, the porcelain doll, still keeps popping up, even though they thought they had buried it. So Nana Blossom is convinced that Julian is still there to haunt them in some fashion. Eh, we'll see if this one continues. If it was just like a little done-in-one kind of bit where it's like, oh, we're still going to get haunted, and we never hear mention of this again for the rest of the season, or is this just the beginning of something more for Cheryl and Tony and this supposed twin, Julian? Uh, because we did see, like, there was a midwife involved. So who knows? The midwife could have absconded with the baby and just told Penelope that, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. The, this baby got absorbed by the Cheryl. So... Uh, you only have now. You only have twins, so we could do. We could be leading to something where Julian will rear up and uh, you know is in his redheaded ways and uh, stir some trouble up there for Tony and Cheryl. We'll see. So, uh, but speaking of trouble being stirred up there, we've got Jughead over there at Stonewall Prep, and I'm I'm still wondering why Jughead continues to go to the school uh, because so far I've seen no benefit. The Jughead being there, I would it would be something if uh, like Jughead was really excelling in some fashion, but we don't really see him excelling in anything. I mean, in fact, last week we saw him when he had to write the ending for the the murder mystery. He ended up coming in last along with Brett, so he's not exceeding there. This episode, it's basically sort of a initiation of sorts for Jughead. He ends up hearing about the Stonewall Four, which are four students that have vanished and. His teacher says, oh, no, this is just an urban legend. It doesn't really happen. Uh, it's just, you know, people that have dropped out of school over the course of 30 years, four people had vanished. But Jughead, when he spe- hears a mystery, likes to go and try to find out if there's any proof to it. So he's hitting the uh, the old school newspaper, trying to find any evidence. doesn't turn up with anything. Wants to go and uh, check out the, uh, the local newspaper, 
when one of his uh, classmates offers him some coffee. It's spiked. He's drugged, and he wakes up inside a coffin. Typical, uh, typical Friday for you, Ryan. I know. You mean you're telling me, Frank? Yes. I'm. Uh, although, what I will say is that we have a lot of traction in the chat right now, and um, a lot of people are asking Frank. They're just asking you a ton of questions oh, about your experience with some of these things. <laughs> yes. Uh, we got external shockwave asking, "Do you have a Brett kind of guy uh, when you went to school, Frank?" You know, I. I didn't. Well, actually, there was one guy that irritated me a little bit, Roger Lopez. Whoa, full name. Full name, Roger okay. Lopez. I know he's not watching this. You know, it's all right. Uh, we didn't see eye to eye on this one, and I always felt like I was always one step behind him in a good comeback. I thought I'd have him, and then he'd one up me, and then it'd be one of those things where you're leaving later in the day, and you're like, "Oh, that was what I should have said in that moment." But in the actual moment, I just stood there and didn't say anything, and then just had to just. Walk away like, oh, he got me again. Damn you, Roger. It's funny because everyone in the chat is saying we all have a Brett, a yep. Brett in our lives. Uh, <clears throat> and they're just saying, you know, Brett needs to get punished. Brett needs to get uh, – someone said Brett needs to get slapped. Um, but, yeah, just saying every people are, people are now theorizing about Jughead. Uh, they knew that the girl would, would gave Jughead the coffee and that was spiked or something. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's a true fear I think a lot of people forget about is just, you know – drinks getting spiked and and things like that in uh in this type of setting but you know what the thing that bugs me though is that jughead's been yeah for all we know he hasn't done anything else other than just hear about this uh this stonewall f- uh, prep four that have disappeared gone to the, the library and start reading through old newspapers and then he's given a cup of coffee that's spiked and immediately starts getting woozy and it's like oh i just gotta go you know lay down or get some air you know i would be like you you drugged me but like nobody ever says like because I know I didn't have anything else earlier, and all of a sudden I drink something you just immediately gave me, and I'm feeling woozy. Nobody ever calls out, ah, what you've done this to me. It's always right. like, uh, I don't know what's wrong. I need some air, or I need to rest for a minute. Come on. I guess you never can tell though. I mean, if it's in the moment, you don't. You're kind of still figuring it out. Maybe after the fact. All right. Well, that's a good point though. <laughs> Ryan, we never get that scene. No, in any, that's true. In any movie. I mean, have a sip of that water I gave you earlier, Ryan. Oh, it's right here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. That was coffee. That was not water. <laughs> that was coffee. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was old coffee from this morning that I just took a sip out of. <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, yeah, so Jughead spends the night in a coffin, and it turns out he wasn't buried underground. He was just placed in his teacher's office. And so Mr. Chittings comes in, in the, in the, uh, in the next morning, pries it open, gets Jughead out, and says, oh, you know, this is just uh, an initiation. Brett and the rest of the students come in and is like, now you belong to us. No, uh, you're you you're here now, and uh, you you see like Brett is just asking. He's just he's desperate for Jughead to hit him so that Jughead will be expelled from the school, but Jughead holds back and says, "No, no, no, uh, I'm not going to do that." But I, I what I took away from all of that though is that Mr. Chitting is pretty much a terrible teacher because he's asked by Jughead if he was in on this and he says no, but there's no punishment, there's no nothing saying like, "Hey, you know, guys, you can't be doing this." Uh, he just lets everything fly. And I don't know if it's because Mr. Chitting is afraid of Brett. It doesn't seem like it because he's you know, he's fine giving him a low grade. But in moments like this, it'd be like, yeah, guys, you know, I don't know. Like, these initiations are hazings. Uh, do we need them? I don't know. And so for a teacher to go like, yeah, it was, you know, you guys buried this guy in a car. Co- well, he's placed a guy in a coffin. Let him think he was burning underground all night. 
it's fine. You guys are crazy kids. That's cool. So we'll see what uh, Mr. Chitting does for the rest of the year. Uh, one uh, person that is not afraid of getting some payback, though, immediately is Principal Honey, though. Because Reggie decides, hey, it's Halloween. Perfect time to TP somebody. Let's do it. And so he gets Kevin to join him, and they're going to TP Mr. Honey's office. And as they're doing it, they get busted by Mr. Honey. And we see a scene of Mr. Honey and Kevin, where Kevin ends up flipping on from Reggie. But Mr. Honey's like, <laughs> and you know, there's part of me that I couldn't disagree with Mr. what Mr. Honey was saying. Because he goes, you know, oh, you want to go to NYU? I don't think you're going to make it. Because of Carrie, the musical that he did uh, two seasons ago. Heather's, because of the that musical that he did last season. And because of what he just did in the principal's office. And uh, that's when Kevin immediately flips on Reggie and gets out of it. But uh, I, I do like that this principal took enough time to find out Kevin's uh, past uh, extracurricular activities at school. And they must have taken time to uh, to watch anybody that videotaped these performances, which I guess the school might, so they could preserve it in some library at some point. But to go watch those musicals to see how they were and then agree that, like, yeah, they were pretty awful. <laughs> and then then wait for Kevin to really mess up so that he could lay this down on him and go, like, you got to get it together, Kevin. Uh, at which, you know, Carrie was a bonkers episode, but it was all right. But Heather's was a very disappointing musical. So uh, I'm not going to disagree with uh, Mr. Honey there. But what happens at the end of the day is that uh, he, he uh, brings in Reggie, says, hey, all right, you got to clean everything uh, out of my office, make it look like exactly how you found it before you started TPing anything. And as it takes them all Halloween night, and as they leave the next morning, Mr. Honey says, I'll walk out with you, Reggie. And it comes to Reggie's car, which has been TP'd, and the windows have been smashed in. And you can just you just know it's Miss, uh, Mr. Honey, or Principal Honey, that has smashed those windows just to let Reggie know, like, hey, yeah, this is what happens when people uh, disrespect your property. You know, things like this happen to you in return. So, uh, Ryan, I have to ask. Here we go. I know you've got your TP plan for tonight. Um, is it going to be Bree, Steven, Jonathan? <laughs> who's going to be the target? Ooh, uh, let's just say you didn't name them yet. Ah, but all right. Michael, definitely oh, Michael Klaus. Yep. <laughs> That's there it. There he is. He doesn't even know it. <laughs> but, yeah, he's going to TP his car tonight. Perfect. All right. I'll send a photo. Oh, I can't wait. All right, guys. Love it's... it next week. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be excellent. Uh, so then we also have uh, another big exciting uh, storyline is Veronica. Uh, she is uh, basically her storyline is that uh, some strangers come in. They're, tr- they're on their way home. They're a truck driver trying to get home to their family. Says, hey, I just need to get some food real quick. It's, I've been on the road all night. Can I just get something real quick? Veronica says, all right, we're closed, but I'll do this for you. And conveniently, we get the old trope of the TV's on, just playing some nonsense, a commercial or movie or whatever, but then immediately goes to breaking uh, breaking news that uh, somebody has uh, escaped the uh, the sanitarium there that is a serial killer uh, called the Family Man. And this guy's MO is that he finds somebody uh, to cook for him, and then he kills them. And so Veronica realizes, like, oops, this is the Family Man, and he's going to kill me. But uh, I did like uh, Veronica, uh, no damsel in distress. She takes it. Uh, she takes matters into her own hands. Escapes down to La Bonne uh pours alcohol in a in a bowl, and turns off all the lights. And as the family man comes down to try to find her, has his lighter out, and then comes across Veronica, and Veronica just dumps all the alcohol on him, smashes a chair on him, was able to get away. So I like that Veronica 
did not didn't need to be rescued at all. She took matters into her own hands. So that was cool. And then we've got uh, our last storyline is Betty with Charles. And this is where we start to find out that something is creepy with Charles. You know, as much as I was going to like that, hey, Charles seems to be an upstanding guy, there seems to be nothing, uh, no such thing as an upstanding person that comes to town to reunite with somebody in Riverdale because they invariably are turned out to be a creep. And it seems that Charles, even though he comes over to, uh, over Halloween to help Betty trace a call, people that are calling Betty saying that they're really the Black Hood and that he's still alive, that they, they trace the call, goes to a, a, goes to the, the sanitarium where Polly is staying at, getting deprogrammed. Charles is able to make Betty think like, hey, maybe it's, maybe it's your sister doing it. So I feel like Charles has done a great thing about kind of kind of separating Betty from Polly. And I don't know if he's trying to just keep her for himself. We don't know yet. We we do know that he he would be he would love it if Betty would get involved in the junior FBI program. And I know Ryan, you are you're signed up for that. You're leaving what, a couple weeks? A couple weeks. Yeah. Heading out. Back to Delaware. Yeah, that's right. Just to be your junior FBI. <laughs> there you go. No, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. guys, I'm serious about the TPA. That's right. I mean, you can even tweet at the only MC, Michael Klaus, yes. and warn him. That's right. Be like, watch out. You might get TP'd at the only MC. And you know what? There's nothing he's going to be able to do to stop it. He may know about it, Not but he can't stop it. Not a single thing. He thinks he's going to be able to stop it, and then he's still going to wake up, and his car's going to be TP'd. Oh, I cannot wait. Mm. Cannot wait. So we end the episode with another flash forward, and it looks like something that's been kind of uh, – we've kind of been having uh, little flash forwards uh, throughout the course of the season so far, as well as the last season's season finale. And this time, we've been seeing that Jughead's been missing in all these, that everybody's searching for Jughead. This time, though, we see at the coroner's office, it's FP and Betty, and they pull back uh, the, uh, the sheet that's on a dead body, and it turns out to be Jughead. So very curious where this season's going to be going. I mean, there's all the speculation. Is Jughead really going to be dead? I don't think they're going to kill off Jughead. There's, there's going to be some twist to this. We still don't know what it is yet, but it's definitely up to stakes where you're already seeing a dead body of a character that you know uh, right out of the gate. So I'll be curious to see how Riverdale is fooling us because we all know that they're fooling us. But uh, it's it, it'll be curious to see how this plays out. And what we saw is... Uh, oh, I'll pull this up from last season there, is at the end of season three, uh, we got right here, it's uh, uh, what happened is we see Archie, Betty, and Veronica at a fire. Uh, they've taken off all their, uh, their their main clothes. They're just in their underwear. But uh, as they say to each other, uh, while Archie's clutching Jughead's beanie, uh, Betty said this, uh, we have to burn all our clothes, including Jughead's beanie. We have to we wash off the blood in the swimming hole. After tonight, we never speak of this, ever. Not to each other, not to our parents, no one. We finish our senior year, we graduate, and we'll go our separate ways. That is the only way that we won't get caught. So that's what teed us up at the end of season three. I'll be curious to see where this scene where we find FP and Betty at the corner identifying Jughead's body fits into that timeline as well. Uh, So a lot of mysteries afoot here in Riverdale. They started planting some seeds I am hoping that the, they sprout into beautiful mysteries that we can discover for the rest of the season. What I would love is let's make them shorter. Let's make these mysteries much shorter. I would be so grateful of that. I feel like 22 episodes, 
Riverdale doesn't do good doing 22-episode mysteries. So let's keep it more contained and give us two or three mysteries during the course of the season. I think that show this would benefit the show tremendously. But we'll see. Uh, but, folks, holy cow, we did it. Ryan. We did it, man. I know you were telling me, Frank, this is impossible. There's no way we can cover this show tonight. I completely doubted you. But we did it. We did it. Uh, folks, thank you for joining us here. As always, like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you, everybody, for hopping in the chat, asking all those questions. Uh, you know, if you see Roger out there, you know, just let him know that uh, I'm, I'm going to one-up him one day. I, I can't. Uh, I'll think of something witty, and then I'm going to then, oh, man, justice will be mine. Oh, but, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. But if you want to stay in touch with me, uh, even after the show, or Ryan, Ryan, if they want to stay in touch with you, where can they find you? I'm at Ryan Nilsen. R-Y-A-N-N-I-L-S-E-N underscore, and you can tweet at the only MC warning him. Yes. T-P imminent. <laughs> find me on Twitter and Instagram at Happy Go Jackie. Folks, thanks for joining us on this Halloween Eve of the Riverdale After Show. We'll be back here next Wednesday night with an all-new episode right here on After Buzz TV. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 